welcome to those who are joining us online from home and Merry Christmas to you this Sunday after that big day of Christmas and I trust that all of you had a enjoyable, blessed day with family and friends. As a new year approaches, I'm always reminded that at the end of a year, for me, it's always a good time to reflect, take inventory, and evaluate changes that need to take place. That's, that's who I am. I'm a man of my routines. I love routine. And this week is that week of just taking inventory, taking stock, that which I'm thankful for, as well as just taking a look at maybe some areas that need to be changed in my life and improvements. I remember it was five or six years ago, my good friend Dave Greco came to one of our men's Christmas breakfast and spoke on this very same subject. And I, I need to stop for a moment and show my appreciation for the pre-Christmas Eve service. What we did this year with the lighting of candles. Uh, we, we came out with five different categories of what category do you fit in. And then during that time we, we lit a candle and we brought them to the altar. And I didn't really prepare myself for it, but when Pastor Matt began the service with the candlelighting aspect and said, this year, if if you're missing a loved one, if a loved one has passed and and you're just missing them, their presence at this Christmas season, would you would you just light your candle? And it was at that moment, man, I was just filled with with the loss of my friend Dave Greco over the year and on behalf of the Greco family, I, I lit that candle because I dearly miss his presence. But for some of the men that were maybe at that breakfast, Dave gave this simple acrostic kiss, K-I-S-S, in how to evaluate. There are some things that you just need to keep on doing in life as you evaluate. There's other things that you can improve on doing. Certain things that you can improve on. Then there's certainly some things you just need to stop doing. And then there's some things you can start to do. And I have always looked at this over the past four or five years now and have used it many times because I have found it a very simple way, yet fair way, to evaluate life. And I trust that going into this new year, that maybe this week you'll, you'll just sit down and, and think to yourself, okay, what's, what's some things that I can keep on doing? What are some things I can improve on? Hey, we, we all have things we should stop doing. Ryan, I remember that year you took the 30-day 30 30 positive uh, test. You wore that band, and, and you weren't going to complain for 30 days. Still complaining? Yeah. <laughs> Well, stop it. (laughs) And there are certain things that we should start to do. 
I was reading through the book of Hebrews, and I came to that ever-popular 11th chapter. The 11th chapter of Hebrews. And we call it the Faith Hall of Fame. Where there, the writer to the Hebrews, start to list people like Abel. Who because of his sacrifice was considered a righteous man. Now I don't know if you ever thought about this before. But do you know who the first person in the Bible experienced death? Who was the first person to experience death in the Bible? Abel. A righteous man. And then you read about Enoch. How he was commended for pleasing God. Come on, somebody. Wouldn't you want to be known as a person who pleased God? And then you read about Noah, Abraham, people like Jacob, Joseph, Moses. I mean, you even read about a a prostitute, Rahab, who hid the spies. And the writer goes on, how much more do I need to say? It would take too long to reaccount the stories of faith of Gideon and Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these men overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received. What God had promised. And you, you just sit there and you marvel at the accomplishments and the faith of these. But just then, a couple verses later, you read this in the same chapter. But others were tortured. Refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. And others were killed by the sword. Some went about wearing sheep, the skins of sheep and goats destitute, oppressed, mistreated. They too, they were too good for this world, wandering in deserts and mountains, hidings in caves and holes in the ground. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. And that's what stood out. Some in the faith hall of fame received God's promise. Others did not receive all of God's promise. But yet they were all listed as being faithful. As I was reflecting upon that list, I thought to myself, Hey, where's King Saul? The the first king of Israel, he's... He's missing from this list. King Saul. 
And do you know why King Saul was missing from Hebrews chapter 11? So Saul died because he was unfaithful to the Lord. He failed to obey the Lord's command and even consulted a medium instead of asking the Lord for guidance. So the Lord killed the Lord killed him and turned the kingdom over to David, the son of Jesse. Faithfulness is truly the test of time. I have always said that the best way to learn is by asking questions. It, I'm, I'm constantly asking questions in my study. I just think it's a great way to learn. Another good way to learn is from the mistakes of others. And what I want to do this morning is, I want us to look at the mistakes that King Saul made that gave him the title of unfaithful so that we can learn from his mistakes and take his mistakes and turn them into positives. And the first thing we take a look at is mentioned, and we're actually going to go backwards in King Saul's life. But the first make mistake he was, he, instead of asking the Lord for guidance, he, he went to a fortune teller, a medium, a witch. Which the positive from the negative is, in all things in life, make sure you seek God for guidance. Seek him for guidance. Saul started off well, but he didn't finish well. And here towards the end of his life, the Philistines came into Israel. They set up camp in a place called Shuam. And it was a vast army. King Saul gets his 3,000 men and, and they camp at Gilboa. In between Gilboa and Shuam is the Jezreel Valley. And as King Saul looked over the valley and saw the vast army that was approaching, Scripture says he was frantic with fear. He was frantic with fear. And he asked the Lord, what should he do? But the Lord, at this point in his life, refused to answer him, either by dreams or by sacred lots or by the prophets. I have a feeling if he kept persisting, if he kept pursuing, he would have heard because he is a merciful God. But instead, Saul then said to his advisors, find a woman who's a medium so I can go ask her what to do. And his advisor said, there, there's this woman who's a medium. He, she's an indoor, indoor. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Pastor, I have no 
intentions at all seeking the advice of a fortune teller. Uh, Pastor, I have no, 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 I'm not even thinking about going down to the corner to the fortune teller and having her read my palm so she can get some wisdom. So I can get some wisdom. But let me ask, could it be that any other source of information that you seek before or more of than God's advice? Is there a difference? If we're not seeking God's counsel for guidance first in all things, could it be that maybe we're guilty like King Saul? I mean, is it that you run to the paper every morning? Or perhaps, well, I just read the horoscopes for fun. Or maybe there's that internet blog that you find yourself on every morning, even before you go to the Lord. Popular webcast. I know some guys that check the investment channel first thing in the morning. Family members, friends. The other day on social media, I saw someone put out on Facebook a dilemma, and they were asking for all their friends to, to, to uh, chime in, to chat, to respond with what they should do. And, and I'm thinking to myself, where is God in all this? Isn't God first and foremost? Instead of asking God and the Lord for guidance, are we guilty of going to other places first or more than going to Him alone? And if so, maybe we need to make some adjustments. Now, I realize that Saul did inquire, but when he didn't get an answer, he went to another source. We today have so much information available to us instantly. On search engines, through our computers, through our phones, we have instant access to information. And it's readily available. Boom! And when we inquire of the Lord and he seems to be lingering how tempted it is to go to another source this, this year for Christmas I, hon what, what do you need she goes you know what I would really like a new key ring keychain no problem Day after Thanksgiving, we went down to Cape May, and I knew all the specialty stores there. I said, I'll take care of that. I went in store after store after store, couldn't find just a simple little key ring. I finally found this keychain that had a picture of the beach with the lighthouse, and they were monogrammed, but I went to the H's, and the Heathers were all gone. I said, no big deal, and I'm thinking something musically or something like that, something that would fit her taste, and all day long, every specialty, nothing. Came home, a couple days later, walked the entire Freehold Raceway Mall, checking every store. I felt like kind of funny. Do you have a keychain? 
finally someone said, why don't you go to an automotive store? Went to the automotive stores along Route 9. Well, all they had were masculine Ford, BMWs, Mercedes, keychains. Nothing musically. Then I went to a couple music stores where they didn't carry that type of stuff. And then I started going to card stores, specialty. I mean, I'm just, you ever go like, ah! And then we went one Friday night to Peddler's Village and all those specialty stores. And I'm just going through every store, every store, looking, looking, looking. You know, Heather's, you know, trying to get away from it. Do you have keychains? And one day, in the office, on the computer, I typed in this unfamiliar store called Amazon. And it said, search. Musical keychains. And all of a sudden, it was like, boom, 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 instant access. I said, that one's nice. Boom. Check out. Now, my wife has Prime, but I didn't want to, I don't know her account, so I have to pay $5 more for shipping. And within literally three minutes, I checked out. Two days later, it was laying on my desk. Instant access. And because we are so programmed to have everything at the tip of our fingers, when we seek the guidance of God and we don't go get it right away, we start to seek other outside sources. As far as I know, it still says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I like in the NL tell, Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Listen, if you need an answer, the answer is still in here. God's truth is truth, even if nobody else is believing it. And lies are still lies, even if everybody is believing them. Seek God for guidance in all things. Now, it does help to have other resources, but if we're going to those other resources more than God or before God, that's where I think we become in trouble. Second thing we learn from Saul's mistakes is dodge the comparison trap. Dodge the comparison trap. Remember after David had uh, killed the, the giant Goliath, the Israelites, there was this song, Saul has killed his thousands, but David is tens thousands. This made Saul very angry. What is this, he said. They credit David with ten thousands and me only with thousands. Next, they'll be making him the king. And from that time on, Scripture says Saul kept a jealous eye on David. And that jealous eye haunted him the rest of his life. Now, this is what I was thinking. I was trying to think, what if Saul had been a little bit more secure in himself? What if Saul would have evaluated his life and say, 
you know what? This feeling I have towards David, it's, it's not good. What if Saul had repented of those jealous feelings, asked God to forgive him? What might of his life had been? Or what if Saul just had a different attitude? Well, he is my protege. He is one that I'm mentoring. His win is my win. We're on a winning team. How could it been different if Saul would have celebrated in this song instead of having a jealous eye that haunted him the rest of his life? And even, let me even say this. When you really study the life of King Saul and you see him pursuing to try to kill David, can't you see that perhaps Saul was bordering on the line of paranoia? And in today's world, social media, how, how is it that they get to go there on vacation? Look who's doing the cooking in that family. Why is it everybody looks so happy? But not me. And before you know it, we're constantly comparing that sometimes sets us in a world spin and throws us all over. I remember taking Heather to Great Adventure many years ago. And she wasn't one to go on a lot of rides. And there was this short line on a ride called the Runaway Train. Just the name itself should have. So we get on it. I said, it's just a little roller coaster. It's tall. You know, it's not not high. And you didn't see it's not. And I mean, afterwards, I knew that maybe it was a possibly breakup. I will never, ever again. Just that little bar. She thought she was going to be thrown out. She just hated being tossed into and about. And we do that to ourselves. We, we compare ourselves with others that make us look good. And we have this shot of adrenaline. We have this ego boost. And before you know it, we compare ourselves with someone else. And it's like, woe is me. And it's like, we're, 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 it's like life becomes a runaway train because of our comparison with one another. And we're being shaken all the time. Can I tell you what I have learned from comparing? Comparison is a thief of joy. Comparison is not only a thief of happiness, it's a thief of joy because you start questioning who you are in God's eyes and how God made you and created you. Comparison will stall your progress because comparison has a way to make you discouraged, even bring about depression, where you just stop and stall progress in your own life. What I've read about comparison is that there's no one that has a perfect life. No one has. And as much as they seem to have a perfect life, Well, a few years later, you hear about what's happening in their life, and you realize, wow, 
No one has a perfect life. And there will always be someone better than you at something. So don't even go there. Know who you are in Jesus Christ. That your self-worth, that your value, that who you are. He made you. He created you. He gave you the gifts and the talents and the abilities that he has given you. Be secure of who you are in Jesus Christ and what God has made you. Period. Be honest with yourself. This is the last. All right. Remember the days before cell phones? And we all had landlines? Remember the days before caller ID? Where every time the phone rang, you had to answer it? Remember all the calls that started coming through that were just junk calls? That made you get caller ID so you could see the junk calls, that the spam calls that you didn't have to answer. And then remember how refreshing it is when we got cell phones. And all of a sudden, all the solicitators didn't call. But let me ask, what's happened in the last three years? Every day, your warranty is exposed on the vehicle you are driving. Every once in a while, I find Pastor Todd in his office talking to himself, yelling, and then I realize, oh, he's got one of those calls. (laughs) And listen, when you get a call from Amazon and they say there's been an unauthorized uh, purchase to your account in the tune of $666, right there, you know, it's deceiving. And can you give us the card number that's associated with your account? Well, I'm sorry. I don't have an account. My wife has an account. And if she has an account with you, then you know the card and her card number. So I get upset with all the deception. Hi, this is the IRS. You owe and all of a sudden, my heart starts going, oh, no, I'm going to jail. Deception is an act or statement which misleads, hides the truth, or promotes a belief, concept, or idea that is not true. Deception. And do you know the worst type of deception? Self-deception. And this is what happens in King Saul's life where he's lying to himself so much that he's believing the lies and telling others and perceiving them to be true. Deception. Self-deception. Two incidents, and let me move on real quick. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, the Philistines have once again come with 300 chariots, 6,000 charioteers. I guess, is that what someone rides? If musketeers, I guess charioteers would be correct. I don't know. 6,000, two in each chariot. And it says a vast army 
that would number the grains of sand on the seashore. That's a lot. And there's King Saul with his 30, camped at a place called Gilgal, trembling in fear. Now, this is right at the beginning of his kingdom, him as king. And Samuel tells him, the prophet, go, but wait seven days. Wait for me to come, and I will offer a burnt offering and a peace offering up to the Lord. Just, just wait. Wait for me to come. So King Saul gets his army, and they're waiting, they're waiting, anyway. And he waits the amount of time. Have you ever read in the Bible, sometime later, God tested Abraham? How many know God tests us? And I believe right at the beginning of his kingdom, God tested him and delayed Samuel for coming those seven days. And what happens is, King Saul starts to lie to himself. He he starts to think, well, you know, I, I, I just remember Samuel saying how he's old and he has gray hair now. And Samuel even confessed, maybe not, but maybe perhaps he's trying to get ready to justify what he's about to do by saying Samuel even admitted that he was old, he's gray-haired, he's become forgetful. That's why he's not here. And then in hopelessness, he sees some of his men starting to get scared and, and, and wander off. He's, he's losing his army. And then with a sense of pride and maybe arrogance, after the allotted time, he demanded, bring me the burnt offering and the peace offering. And Saul sacrificed the burnt offering for himself. Something he should have never did. Something he had no right to do. And just as Saul was finishing the burnt offering, Samuel arrived. Saul went out to meet him and welcome him. But Samuel says, what is it you have done? Well, when you said you were going to be here and you didn't show up. And, and you know, you are getting a little older and forgetful. And, and when I saw my men starting to scatter. And, and I, I, I just knew that, that we, this would be okay. He was lying to himself. It would never be okay. And we justify our behavior all the time with doing things that we shouldn't be doing. And after Samuel heard all the lies, he says, how foolish. You fool! You have not kept the command of the Lord your God gave you. Had you kept it, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. There are consequences to our actions. And then two chapters later, aren't you glad God gives you a second chance? Aren't you glad for his grace and his mercy? Two chapters later, the Amalekites 
are coming in to evade Israel. And, and the Lord, through the prophet, says to King Saul, Now go and completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation. Men, women, children, baby, cattle, sheep, goat, camels, and donkeys. Everything. And then when they went into battle, it says they captured the king, Agag, and they spared his life. They spared the king's life. And they took some of the choice goats and sheep and cattle and anything that was appealing, they took and they kept for themselves. The next day, the Lord appeals to Samuel and he says, You know, I'm really upset I made him king. And Saul and Samuel went to go find Saul. As Samuel's trying to find Saul, he, he comes upon this person. They go, Oh, Samuel, I mean Saul, he, he went down to around Mount Carmel. He's building a monument for himself. And just like not going to a fortune teller, none of you would build a monument for yourself, would you? But yet we build monuments for ourselves all the time in our talk. Saul, Samuel finally finds Saul, and Saul says, Hey, you know, greetings, you know, I, I did what the Lord commanded me to do. And Samuel is saying, but then why do I hear meh, meh, and why do I hear meh, why do I hear the sounds? And King Saul says, but you don't understand. I saved the choice, the ones without spot, the ones that weren't crippled. I, I saved the very Best, so I could sacrifice them to God. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Trying to justify his actions of disobedience in a righteous way. And Samuel said, Stop! Stop. And the kingdom was taken away from Saul that day, rejected as king. There are certain things in our life that as a new year approaches, we just need to stop doing. In her book, Diane Langberg quotes Henry Burton by saying, Conduct is character in motion. Conduct is character in motion. Humans do what they themselves are. It's pretty deep. The Bible says, out of the heart flows. Conduct is character. He started off so well because of his natural attributes. He was tall. He was handsome. He was smart. But natural attributes never cover up 
character. So as I close this morning, let me ask you these questions. Do you seek God's guidance first and foremost? Do you seek God's guidance first and foremost? And if it isn't easily and ready in coming, do you then go to other sources? Or you are persistent, persevering, to get a word from the Lord. Do I resist the temptation to jealously compare myself to others? And last, Pastor Bonnie, you can come. Do my actions flow from good character? Or do your actions flow from your talent, gifts, and abilities trying to cover up your true character? Well, before you know it, your true character will show. Life lessons learned from the mistakes of King Saul. Seek God for guidance. Wisdom. Dodge the comparison trap. Don't even go down there. Dodge it. Be honest with yourself. The greatest deception of all is when you deceive yourself. Would you stand with me? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. At the start of a new year, Lord, this week in my own life, as in my quiet time, I reflect, take inventory, evaluate Lord I seek your guidance your wisdom on the things that I should keep on doing on the things I can improve on doing on things that I need just to stop get rid of and Lord new areas that you want me to start doing God, search me this day and know my heart. Pastor Bonnie, could you start singing it? Search me, oh God. Search me, oh God. this just be a week of 
inner reflecting, taking this simple acrostic and applying it in a simple way to our life. Nothing difficult, nothing complex, just seeking your wisdom and your counsel and your guidance in our life. In Jesus' name. Next week we're going to, the first week in January is always a week of prayer and we're joining the Assemblies of God and giving you prayer guides and I'm going to be speaking on prayer next week. And then in two weeks from today, we're starting a new series. I, I love the life of Elijah. And, and we're just going to take a look at some of the, the commitment that Elijah makes. It's, it's ridiculous. It really is the, the life of Elijah. So uh, that's where we're going in the first year. God bless you. Have a very healthy, safe, prosperous New Year. God bless.